0: a lot of times the enemy will will try to make you think that that battle is going to be the rest of your life but how many of you know whether you win or lose a battle that battle is still temporary and it is a season that you are going through it is not a life that you're going through And in this life, you will go through Goliath battles, amen? Goliath is known for being big. If we say that is Goliath, we refer uh, synonymously that word Goliath with large, amen? And in this life, you will go through large battles, But it is my experience and my understanding from the Bible that when we go through a Goliath battle, we go through a Goliath reward. Amen. And how many of you know there are some battles that we don't care what the reward is. We don't want to go through the battle because the battle is so intense and there's so much to lose that you don't care what the reward is. But how many of you know God wants to reward you and sometimes you can't get that reward until you go through that Goliath battle. And when you go through that Goliath battle, what happens is God not necessarily sending the battle. I believe the devil is the one sending the battle, but God will take that sent battle from the devil and use it to build us up spiritually. He never allows any battle to go to waste. Amen? He won't allow a battle to go to waste. There is a blessing around the corner. How many of you know what day today is? How many know that today is the day of Pentecost, Sunday Pentecost, which means that today marks uh, 50 days from Easter or the resurrection of Christ. 50 days later, the church gathered together on one accord. And when they were on one accord, Jesus said, "Tarry until you be undued with power from on high. And when they got together as a church, like what we're doing right here, the power of the Holy Ghost came. And it said it was like a cloven uh, uh, tongues of fire. And that fire came upon the church. And they began to speak in other tongues. And they thought that the other people that were watching from the outside who were not receiving the power thought that they were drunk. And Peter said, no, we're not drunk. We're full of the Holy Ghost. Some folks that don't have the Holy Ghost might mistaken you for being drunk. Amen. But someone say that's a compliment. When they accuse me of being drunk, that means that I got something that they don't got. I'm not, The Bible says, be not drunk with wine, but be drunk in the spirit of God. That's what the Bible says. How many of you know I'm here to get drunk with the spirit of God? Amen. Fill me up, Lord. And how many of you know when you go through a Goliath battle, there's a Goliath reward. And the reward that comes from God, do you know it's so great? that your cup will run over. It'll overflow. It'll be enough for you and more than you could actually contain. And the cup will run off over so much that it will bless those that are connected to you. Amen. That's my heart's desire, that God puts a blessing so powerful on this church that we don't know what to do with it, that we could only contain so much that it will run over. But I'm going to tell you, oftentimes you don't receive that runneth over until you receive that Goliath battle. How many of you know that we are placed and chosen for battle by God for a purpose? And let the church say. This is a few descriptions of Goliath. He was nine foot six. How many of you know your pastor is only five foot six. Imagine what I would have looked like going against Goliath, nine foot six. And I think they said the average basketball player is like, what, six foot six or something like that? Maybe even seven foot peaking. Right. Goliath was nine foot six, pushing 10 foot. Right. And it says that um, that his uh, armor was one hundred and twenty five pounds. Imagine that was 125 pounds in the house? Huh? My wife said a long time ago, nah, you're still 125. Maybe, uh, yeah, maybe uh, Taiwan over there might be 125. But just imagine the armor. He said, not even <laughs> 125. So, so that armor weighed more than uh, Taiwan. Think about that. And that says uh, eight foot Eight feet five inches was his shaft or his spear's rod. Eight foot long, man. It was like two pastor Kalinis. It's just amazing. So you know, there are some battles in life that you go through that are this intimidating. It'd be one thing if he was fighting someone his own size. But he was fighting someone unusual. How many of you know God has unusual battles that you're going to go through in this life? But I promise you, with that unusual battle is an unusual reward. Amen? What does Goliath mean? Now, I, believe it or not, I never knew this. You, you know, let me say this, too. I never want to come to you like I know everything. Dick and Frederick gave a real powerful message last Wednesday. He says some people, they feel like they know so much that they know it all. And even though I do know a lot, I, I never know it all. I'm constantly learning. That's why I'm thankful that I'm I'm privileged to be on that show, Ask the Pastor Because I'm meeting new pastors, and they're a wealth of knowledge and information about the Bible. And some of them, they're pastors, but they lack faith. So they have a lot of knowledge that I don't have about the Bible, and then sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes I have more faith than they do. They have more knowledge than I have, and I have more faith than they have. And when we come together, knowledge and faith coming together, the devil don't got a shot. Amen? And sometimes through my experiences with God, it builds up their faith. And sometimes with their knowledge of the Bible, it uh, it directs my faith. Amen? So anyways, I just learned this about Goliath. I didn't know really. How many knew what the word Goliath meant or where it came from? It came from uh, Gala. Right. And this is from Strong's come from Gala. And it says it's the definition of it in the Strong's, according to the Old Testament, Elder, according to the Old Testament. It says a definition to uncover. Did you know that, Elder? I didn't either. I just learned. The elders have been reading the Bible longer than me. That's why I'm picking on them. It says um, to uncover, remove exposure to exile, right? The state of being barred from one's native country, typically for political or punitive reasons. How many of you know that's what the devil wants to do to us? He wants to uncover us. How many of you know that's what one of Abraham's sons did to him, right? When he was drunken, they tried to uncover him. And God was mad at that uncovering. How many of you know the devil's waiting for you to slip up in any area of your life, and he wants to expose and he wants to exile you from what God gave you. How many of you know that was what the enemy has always tried to do, was to evict the Israelites from Israel and to take the property or the region that God has given them? And that was the whole issue with Gaza and Israel, is that the enemy was tr- always trying to take what God gave Israel. How many of you know the enemy wants to take from you what god gave you he wants to uncover he wants to remove he wants to expose he wants to exile you from the place that god gave you how many of you know the enemy was successful in exiling some people from this church people that they said god told them to come here and right after they said that they you'd never see him again why because the enemy is working non-stop to block us from coming together as a church as a body of christ now, he don't mind if you're in some church where it's all sugar-coated, watered down. They don't really preach the Bible. There's no conviction. There's no healing. There's no deliverance. There's no, uh, no real power. He don't mind you being there. You could do all types of rituals and uh, r- ritualistic things. That's not a threat to the enemy. But the power of God is. Your faith in God is a real threat to a Goliath battle. Remind this, remind, remind this, remind me, Lord, remind me, Lord, beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you. How many times when you go through something, you start thinking it's strange? Why, Lord? Why am I going through this? And we start to think it's strange that we're being challenged or going through hardship. And the Bible's reminding us that it's not strange. This is part of a process that when the enemy attacks you, it's for a purpose. Amen. And God allows it to happen. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you, but rejoice. Inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. And this is the mindset that we are to have that when we are going through a Goliath battle, you have a right in Christ, no matter what it is, you have a right to rejoice in God. But you can't rejoice by sight. You can't rejoice by your feelings. You can't rejoice by your logic. You have to rejoice by faith in Christ in the Goliath battle. And then by you doing that, you will actually overcome Goliath battles by rejoicing through the battle the enemy is dumbfounded when he's hitting you with everything in your life, but yet you still come to church, and you have the audacity to praise God in the midst of the battle, and the enemy's like, man, the enemy's having a conference about you. Man, look, look, demon. Uh, Come over here, little junior demon. I don't know what's wrong with this person. I hit him with everything that I got, and he refuses to be defeated. He keeps praising. It's almost like The more I attack him, the harder he praises God. The more I attack him, the more he comes to church. The more I attack him, the more he prays and fasts. The more I attack him, he serves God even harder. There's enemies and demons walking around following you, scratching their head. I'm running out of things to do. I don't know what to do. I hit them with everything. I hit their finances. I hit their family. I hit their health. I hit everything I know to do, and they still keep praising God. You've got demons walking around scratching their head. Folks, confuse the devil with your praise. Confuse them. And you know what I learned? Is that if you can praise God when you don't feel like it, That is the most important time to praise God. Praise God when it's the last thing on earth that you want to do. It's in then. That what happens is through the praise, you get caught in the Spirit, the Holy Ghost. He comes and he overpowers your emotions. The joy of the Lord overpowers your emotion, overpowers your thoughts, overpowers your fears, overpowers your struggles, overpowers your weakness from the joy of the Lord when you don't want to praise God, when you're tired, when you're just not feeling it. It is in that time. That God takes over, and then your help comes. And then when your help comes, you know it's not you anymore, and you know it's God. How many know your Goliath needs to see that? Oh, yeah, I like this one. Thank you, Lord. Listen for the Charlie Brown teacher when the enemy, Pastor, you mean you're gonna make a point about Charlie Brown? Most definitely. In fact, this is actually the main point of my sermon. It's about Charlie Brown. How many know Charlie Brown? I know some of you younger folks. Come on. You know Charlie Brown? All right, I'm going to make sure. He's got a bald head just like me? (laughs) Hey, now, Sister Lily, you're a little too loud on that now. All right, now here, look, folks, this is really, really important. Really, this is spiritual warfare. Uh, Listen for the Charlie Brown teacher when the enemy is talking blah, blah, wah, wah. Okay? So this, folks, I'm telling you, this is, I don't care what I say from this point on. This is my most important point, that when the enemy comes in like a floodgate, when he attacks your thoughts, he tries to produce fear and hits you with negative thoughts, and he's bombarding your mind, it's your job to stop listening to what the devil is saying. And all you need to hear when he's talking is wah, 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 wah. Now, some of the younger folks, I know you're lying. And we're going to do an altar call about that later because I know you don't know Charlie Brown. But me and my wife actually took a Charlie Brown tour. Was it in California? Yeah, we took a Charlie Brown tour. So we are experts on Charlie Brown. But I want you to hear what I want you as a church to be hearing when the enemy's talking. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Lucy was so bored by the teacher that she actually fell asleep in the teacher's face. How I many you know you need to be so bored with the enemy? Be so bored with the devil that you actually are tired. You fall asleep at what the devil's saying. While instead of him intimidating you, scaring you, shutting you down, bringing you to anxiety, hopelessness, depression, suicide, instead of that effect, and what you want to hear is wah, 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 and then go out, go out on the devil. Actually, go out into a slumber. Amen? Because Jesus, in the midst of the storm, he was able to sleep on the boat, and the disciples were panicking at that time master do you not care that we're gonna drown and jesus was actually sleeping he wasn't even threatened he wasn't bothered he wasn't disturbed he was able to sleep in the storm and this is what god wants us to do but you could only sleep in the storm when you stop listening to the devil You see, because the devil have you up all night, wide awake, worrying and stressing and nah, Wah, wah, wah. Wah, 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 wah. Lucy is my hero. She got it right. Now, Pastor, I feel like you're looking a little too deep into Charlie Brown. No. No, no. I'm telling you. I put careful thought into that amen listen for the charlie brown teacher when the enemy is talking blah blah wah 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 and samuel 17 first samuel 8 it says and he stood and cried unto the armies of israel and said unto them why are you come out to set your battle in array Am not I a Philistine, and you are servants to Saul? Choose you a man for you, and let him come down to me. And if he be able to fight me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then shall ye be our servants. You shall be our servants and serve us. This is Goliath talking to the children of God. And how many miracles and power did they experience before this right here? What do you think, Elder? Countless miracles over and over. Amen. And it says, and the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. You see that? That's what the enemy's trying to do. He's trying to defy the church, the body of Christ. He's attacking the freedom of the church. Now, I heard someone say not long ago that politics needs to stay out of the pulpit. That's what they said, that that pastors have no, they need to stay in their own lane. And just recently, I heard another pastor say, pastors need to stay out of politics and just stick to the Bible. And i say that. I will. I will keep my mouth shut. I will not ever mention politics in any way ever again as long as those dirty, wicked politics stay out of my pulpit. If they stay out of the pulpit, I'll stay out of politics. But when they get into the pulpit, now you have opened up the door for me to open up a can of Holy Ghost on the enemy. Amen? Yeah, it works two ways. You say, and I'll say the same thing about the medical profession. Well, well um, uh, pastors need to stay out of the medical profession. Okay, then stay out of my pulpit. You stay out of the pulpit. I'll stay out of the medical profession. Stay out of politics. I'll, you stay out of my, we'll, we'll work it out. But the moment, you're, well, you're not a doctor. Or you're not a politician. Well, you ain't a pastor. So stop talking about the Bible and tell me what the church can and can't do. All right, that has nothing to do with my sermon. Let's get back on track. But sometimes rabbit trails feel a little bit good. (laughs) And look what happened. These Israelites were listening so hard to what the enemy was saying. It says, if he be able to fight me. So here, Goliath set a ultimatum with them. He said that if I defeat you, then you'll be slaves. So that put a ultimatum with whoever had the audacity to fight Goliath. Not only would they lose their life, but the rest of their family would be slaves because of their loss. Do you see what the enemy wants to do is to intimidate us, to threaten us, to scare us. But how many of you know the enemy can't put a hand on you without going through God first? Once you catch that revelation, you now will be bold as a lion in God. Once you realize that the enemy can't come near you, can't lay a hand on you without the permission of God. And even if God allows the enemy to put a finger on you, it's only because you got a Goliath blessing on the corner right around the corner. And I'm telling you right now, if the enemy comes near your house and messes with you, you might as well be like in a spiritual Walmart with a shopping cart and go through the aisles just putting stuff in your cart because that's what God's going to do. The more the enemy attacks you, I'll take this, this. God has, a, every time someone persecuted me, there was a check around the corner. I'm telling you, every single time. And that's not, I'm not making this up. There is a blessing and a reward for battles. And sometimes there are special, unique blessings that you can't earn. You don't deserve it. You can't work for it. It's only received by God. And when you receive it, you know that it wasn't your hard-earned work. I'm not saying that there's not a place for that. But there are some special blessings that come straight from heaven. And it humbles us. And look what it says. And the Philistine said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that may fight together, that we may fight together. And when Saul and all Israel heard these words of Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. This is the state that the enemy wants us to stay in, dismayed and greatly afraid and he'll use any kind of tactic right now the media is a goliath the mainstream news is a goliath pumping out fear brother chuck can you hit the ac turn it down a couple notches i don't know if it's just me i'm getting warm might be the holy ghost i don't know i'm getting uh warm never let the goliath battle offset or slow down your routine schedule See, what the enemy wants to do is if he can't defeat you, he will try to detour you, distract you, or if not, slow you down. Because a lot of times when we go through hardships and trials, we change our whole entire schedule around there. You see, glory to God, but this whole COVID-19, for the last two years or three years, they tried to lock everyone down and shut everything down and, and hold everyone hostage and Force masks and vaccines and, and tell us what to do and when we can leave our house and quarantine us. And they tried to do all this. How many of you know that when that global battle was going on, God never told me to do any of those things? And for me, it would be better for me to obey God rather than man. So what I did is I stayed on course which is why if you look at the cornerstone of our church it says that we opened up in 2020. Well how did we open up in 2020 when we took a unfit, unusable, condemned building and turned it into a house of God? Well we had to stop listening to what the devil was saying. We had to stop listening to Goliath and we had to listen to what God was leading us as a church. So instead of us slowing down and being stagnant, our future people we went full force straight ahead you see when you're in a battle you are more likely to die when you run from the bullets than when you run to them because when you have run to them you have a way of firing back but if you're running away you can't fire unless you're like real gifted like Matrix you shoot from behind your back (laughs) never let the Goliath battle offset or slow down your routine Schedule, and here's an example in 1 Samuel 17:14. It says, And David was the youngest, and the eldest followed Saul, but David went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep. Now that's just interesting that God wanted David to feed his sheep. Meanwhile, all hell was breaking loose in Israel, and they were getting ready to be slaves to the enemy facing Goliath. And God wanted David to go feed his sheep. But here's the thing there is a timing of when we are to go forward in Goliath. While God doesn't tell you to go forward, do your routine thing. Take care of your business. Go home, wash your dishes, cut your grass, have a barbecue. Put some cheese on it. Celebrate. Enjoy. And then when the time comes, God will send you back. But do not change your schedule. Take care of your house. Put your house in order while you're waiting for Goliath. Even the simple things like that. Sometimes we get so caught up in the battle that we don't do nothing. Because we're so worried about the battle that we neglect the little things. Okay, I understand his armor weighs what, 125 pounds? You're worried about that? I got it. He's nine foot six. You're stressed out about that. But those dishes that need to be washed, they only weigh a couple ounces. You can handle that, that laundry, by you not taking care of it. I don't know who I'm talking to. Get your laundry together. And don't worry about the end of, you know, whatever. But it's going to happen. Whatever's going to happen is going to happen. But take care of what you need to take care of. Because that's what the enemy wants to hold us hostage and be just impaled. God didn't call the frozen chosen. Amen. He set the chosen on fire, Holy Ghost style. So he went to go feed his sheep. And the Philistine drew near morning and evening and presented himself for 40 days. What's interesting about the 40 days? So here, God allowed the Israelites to be threatened, intimidated, taunted, harassed, aggravated for 40 days. God allowed that. How many of you know that God could have sent one, his lowest level of lightning, poof, and then he would have been smoke. And they would have had barbecue Goliath with hot sauce. Or sweet baby rays, however. And it's kind of gross. But my point is not about the cannibalism. It's about that God could have easily destroyed him. But why did God allow it? And why did God allow it for 40 days? What is significant about 40? If you look through the Bible, the number 40 comes up over and over and over. Jesus fasted 40 days. And forty nights. Why? Because it was a testing time. It was a time of trial. And when you're going through a Goliath battle, God is testing your faith. He's trying you. He's proving you. He's pruning you. He's building up your faith and he's letting you know what's getting ready to happen. But you're being proved. And how many of you know you cannot just buy a testing period? See, you can go to all the theology school you want. You could have PhDs and you could go through all the uh, ritualistic religious activities, but none of those things will replace a trying period. You know that when you go through a battle, there is a trying and tested period that does something to you. It draws you closer to God. It makes you pray and fast. It makes you want to give out from your heart. It makes you want to worship the Lord. It draws you to church. There are some folks that we know they only came to church here when they were going through a Goliath battle. And then when the church was used by God to see them through the battle, once they exited the battle, they no longer seen a need for the church anymore. They no longer seen a need for a pastor anymore. They no longer seen a need for Elder Glenn anymore and Deacon Frederick and Sister Rhonda and you all because they got through the battle. But how many of know we need to stay in God's presence, whether there is a Goliath battle or a Goliath reward. Sometimes God will get them through a Goliath battle. They get a Goliath reward, and in that reward, they turn their back on God. And then by doing that, they are pushing another Goliath to come through by turning their back on God. You need God just as much in the Goliath battle as you do in the Goliath reward. With the Goliath reward, you need humility, self-control, discipline, faithfulness, loyalty unto God. Thank you, Holy Ghost. He presented himself 40 days. Someone said, I'm just in trial period. I'm just being tested. Never volunteer for a Goliath battle. If God appoints you, He will anoint you. How I many know that should be a sermon in itself? If God appoints you, He will anoint you. And he doesn't do it the other way. He's not going to anoint you and then appoint you. He's going to wait until you obey him in the appointment, and then he will anoint you in the obedience to that appointment. Well, Pastor, I don't feel anything. I don't know about it. Step out. And when you step out, that's when you see the anointing. Amen? Someone say, I don't feel any anointing, then maybe you're not stepping out. Step out. It's not that God anoints you and then you step out. Because then you wouldn't really be walking by faith. You're walking by a feeling. Because there is a feeling that does come in the anointing. But the anointing is not a feeling. But there are feelings that come with the anointing. In his presence, there is fullness of joy. How does joy make you feel? Never volunteer for a Goliath battle. If God appoints you, he will anoint you. And and, and Jesse said unto his son, Take now for thy brethren and Ephah of of this parched corn and these ten loaves, And run to the camp to thy brethren and carry these ten cheeses unto the captain of their thousand. And look how far the brethren fare. Look how thy brethren fare. In other words, deliver this Panera bread with this cheese and this parched corn and see what's happening. He didn't do it on his own. He did what he was told to do. So he was actually obeying and submitting, and in obeying and submitting, it led him to the battle. And it says, Now Saul and they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah, fading with the Philistines. God does not need the most qualified soldier, but the most willing soldier. Folks, this is infinitely important. There are so many times that you don't need an attack from the enemy. You attack yourself more than the enemy's doing. The enemy would come up to you with all his demons and say, no, they're good. They're defeating themselves with their own mouth. They're cursing themselves. The Bible said a man is snared by his own words. Jesus said, according to your faith, be it done unto you. No, they're good. I'm going to leave them alone. I think they're beating themselves up so much. Why interfere? They're beating themselves up properly. Let's just leave that person alone until they knock themselves out. you don't want to mess with them? No, I don't think we could do. There are demons sitting around thinking, I don't think we could do more damage to this individual than they're putting on themselves. In fact, it almost looks like they work for us. You don't have to curse yourself. You have a right according to the faith that God has given you to declare blessings, to declare life, to declare healing, to declare deliverance. Every day you wake up, you should say, I'm a blessed child of God. I'm anointed and appointed. I'm healed. I'm prosperous. I'm favorable. I'm powerful. Not in myself, but in God. You have a right to speak that over yourself. There's nowhere in the Bible that says you have to declare sickness, disease, poverty, uh, defeat, uh, struggling. You don't have to speak that over yourself. That's what the enemy floods your mind with to say those things but the Holy Ghost has given you power of your tongue to speak unusually we are called to not speak like the rest of the world I'm not saying be ignorant and be unaware of what's happening be aware of what's happening be aware of what Goliath is doing but speak what God tells you to speak because he don't want you to do there And some folks are struggling with faith. And if you're struggling with faith, that's okay. All of us go through unbelief, doubt, struggling with faith. All of us, that's normal. I don't care if you're a pastor, a bishop, a pope, a nope, whoever you are. All you have to do is be real with God and say, God I'm struggling with my tongue. I'm struggling with my heart. Lord, I am lacking. I have unbelief. I have doubt. Lord, can you help my unbelief? Can you help my faith? Lord, I need more faith. I need you to help me to declare your words. Amen? And I'm, folks, I'm telling you, I hang around with enough pastors to know that even pastors struggle with their mouth. With just complaining all the time, gossiping, struggling, saying things. And I know if pastors struggle with it, I know everyone else, all of us, go through these struggles. Amen? But you don't need to volunteer for the battle. God does not need the most qualified soldier, but the most willing soldier. Amen? He has called us to be willing. Right? The Bible says the harvest is plenty but the laborers are few. Why? Because there are a lot of people that count themselves out so then they become idle and their deeds. And we do not do deeds for salvation. There is no such thing as a works salvation. There is a works because of salvation. Because you're saved, you want to do the deeds that God called those that are saved to do. And sometimes our deeds are evidence that we are saved. Not because we have to, but because we want to. But because we know the time is running out. Because we know that there are souls that are lost that need to hear the gospel. There are people that are in mental prisons that are fighting all kinds of Goliath. And we can unlock the battle for them with the power of God. And God is just looking for a few good men and women. That are willing. Someone say, I'm willing. I'm willing. Send me, Lord, I'm willing. First Samuel seventeen twenty four says, All the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were sore afraid. And the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man? They're more concerned about the enemy than the power of God. Have you seen this man that has come up? Surely to defy Israel, he has come up, and it shall be that the man who killeth him, the king will enrich him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. Do you understand that was a unique special reward not everyone got this reward now there are other people that were rich without the Goliath battle but they didn't get the king's daughter Their whole household was not free. There were some special blessings and some special unique gifts that the man who killed Goliath, when only him was going to receive. Do you know that God wants you to receive a blessing that no one else will receive? He wants to do something for you that no one else can get. But you, but in order to obtain that, you have to be willing to go to the Goliath battle and fight Goliath. And I want to tell you this. Well, I'm not David and I don't see no Goliath. Believe me, there are a lot of Goliaths out there. And there are a lot of Davids out there. God gives us opportunities that can set us far ahead in life that are activated by obedience. Next time you're facing, some of you may be going through a Goliath battle right now as I speak. Some of you have a Goliath waiting for you and you're going to meet him coming up. And I don't prophesy that over you. I just know how life is. But the next time you see Goliath, or you go through a battle, I want you to look at Goliath as an opportunity. And each of these steps represent an opportunity. And each step represents Goliath. And as you fight Goliath, you're going to see that God is going to promote you with a Goliath blessing. And then, after you defeat that Goliath and God promotes you, you're going to see another Goliath. But what's going to happen as your Goliaths begin to grow, your blessings in God will begin to grow. Your faith will begin to grow. Your joy in the Lord will begin to grow. Your peace will grow. The power that God is operating through you will begin to grow as you step on Goliath. It's an opportunity. Because the other extreme is don't listen to anything I just said. Scratch all that. And the next time you see a Goliath battle, you do this. (gasps) That's the other. Do that then. (laughs) The choice is yours, it's an opportunity. In Second Samuel, 1 Samuel 17, 26, David spake to the men that stood by him, saying, what shall be done? (laughs) I think David forgot about the cheese bread and the parched corn. He left that with the servant. I'm sorry, come again? What's going to happen to the man that killeth Goliath? See, that should be us. Scratch about losing. Scratch about being defeated. Scratch about being a slave and your family all enslaved and in prison and cursed and addicted and down and out. Scratch all that. I don't want to hear about that. Stop letting the devil talk to you about what's going to happen if he defeats you and talk to the devil about your reward that's going to happen when God uses you to destroy him and cut his head off. David said, I'm sorry. I I could tell you right now, David heard clearly the first time about the reward after the man killed Goliath. But sometimes. The reward sounds so good, you just have to hear it over and over and over and over again. You see, as we as children of God serve God, God said, don't stack your riches up here on earth where the robber can steal it and the thief and the moth and the rust. But stack your riches in heaven where no man will steal it and we are serving a God that will reward us eternally in heaven. But also can reward us in this earth as well. You see, the reward that David got was not in heaven. I believe it was, but it was also on earth. Is it possible that when God rewards you on earth, he also rewards you in heaven as well for your obedience to what he called you to do? That not only does he want to reward you in this life for your obedience, but he wants to reward you eternally in heaven. And it sounded so good to David, he said, I'm sorry, can you repeat yourself? What? And and this time when you explain it to me, speak loud and slow. I want you to enunciate and pronounce every syllable. What will be done? Slow down, slow down. I got to make sure I get all this. Slow down. Slow down. What shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine and taketh away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine? You see, David spoke differently than everybody else. Everyone else was saying, do you see this man that defied the army of Lord god said david didn't talk about his weight his height how great he was he immediately belittled goliath he went right for the juggler he's uncircumcised do you understand what happened he went for the private area He's like, yeah, I see how great he looks, how powerful, but I'm going for the gusto. Let's look at, he's not even circumcised. He don't even have the privilege to be in my presence. You uncircumcised wait you. God is going to defy you. He's going to destroy you. He talked differently than the other people. And taketh away the report from Israel. For who is this uncircumcised Philistine? You know, I never really fully appreciated that. He bypassed how ugly he was, how bad he smelled, his foot odor, his armpit odor. He went straight to the private area. I find that fascinating. Basically, he was saying this man i don't care what he looks like i don't have how care how bad the odds are he doesn't even have a covenant with god we do we're circumcised in our heart and in our body we are standing in the lord in the gap with the lord this man don't have a chance he's uncircumcised let me just start with that defy this uncircumcised Philistine, that he should defy the armies of the living God. And the people answered him after this manner, saying, it shall be done to the man that killed him. He he repeated everything. Every battle won releases revelation about the enemy's weapons. Now, someone said, I don't understand what you're saying. When you fight a Goliath battle... You cannot fight anyone without learning about your opponent. This is why if you ever followed martial arts, if you followed Bruce Lee and people that were in the arts of fighting, what they would do is they would fight the strongest person so that they can learn new techniques. Even you'll see in uh, MMA, you'll see someone will do like a double kick. Hold on, I'll make sure I don't ruin my suit here. They'll be like this. Right. And then the opponent will learn. I know I'm a little rusty, but you still don't want to mess with me. Amen. (laughs) And then the enemy will see what they did and they'll duplicate it because they're learning as they're fighting the enemy. You see, as we fight Goliaths, we can learn about the weapons and the tactics and the snares of the enemy. You see, I've already overcame so many snares and so many tacks and so many tricks, which is why someone can come up and think it's an innocent situation, but I come from a ghetto background, a criminal background, and what someone sees innocent, I see it's a okie doke. They're getting ready to commit fraud or do something. They're going to rob someone. And I see what's going on. Where other people see a lady waiting for the bus stop, I see a prostitute running game. You see, you learn from your enemy as you fight. So David was getting ready to learn and discover things about Goliath that would help him in the next battle. And so that's why we grow from glory to glory, from faith to faith, that as you fight these enemies through the Holy Spirit, through God, the leading of God, you become stronger and more equipped. And then the next battle you go through, you have to remind yourself what did God already bring me through? What did God already bring me from? How has God already spared my life? How has God already took me through things that other people would have been destroyed? Why am I still here and others want? But why not? Because God has a plan, He has a purpose. Every battle releases, every battle won releases revelation about the enemy's weapon. First Samuel 21, 8, David asked Ahimelech, don't you have a spear or a sword here? I haven't brought my sword or any other weapon because the king's mission was urgent. The pre- priest replied, the sword of Goliath the Philistine whom you killed in the valley of Elah is here it is wrapped in cloth behind the ephod in other words david was so excited that he cut off the head of goliath that he left goliath and all his weaponry he left it all there why because once you fight and god uses you to defeat the enemy you're looking for the reward now you don't got time you are he's dead leave him there now lord <laughs> Tell me more about this reward that you promised me. David was thirsty. He wanted that wife. And the priest replied, the sword of Goliath, Philistine, whom you killed in the valley of Elah, is here. It is wrapped in cloth behind the ephod. If you want it, take it. There is no sword here but that one. David said, there is none like it. Give it to me. In other words, I want the enemy's weapon, the same weapon that the enemy used to threaten me. Now I'm going to take his weapon and use it to defeat the enemy, more enemies with his weapon. And that's literally what he did. Ain't God a God. And David, because... He defeated Goliath. He was able to analyze and inspect the enemy's weapon that no one else could. You see that? And this is something that is not taught. It's caught. You learn certain things through spiritual warfare that can't be taught. You have to see. And God will reveal things to you through certain battles. But it will never contradict the word of God. God will bless us comparable or comparable to the battle he allows. In other words, little mosquito battle, little mosquito reward. Amen? Little mosquito battle, little mosquito reward. And like I said, some of these battles are so great you're not looking for the reward. You're looking to escape these battles. Most of the men of Israel didn't care about it. They knew the reward. It was presented to them. The battle was so great, they didn't want nothing to do with the reward of the battle. They were. You see, we have to get past that. Amen? And Job 42, and I'm almost done, folks. I'm almost done. Just a couple illustrations about Goliath battle, Goliath reward. And Job 42.10, how many know Job went through a Goliath battle? How many want to voluntarily go through the battles that Job went through? Show of hands. Come on. You'll get a double for your trouble. Come on. <laughs> Come on. You can do it. <laughs> Nobody wants to go through that. I don't care what the reward is. I don't care if you give me a cattle and 1,000 hill. I don't want to. But sometimes you don't get. How many know you don't get to choose your battles? It would be nice we would all go for the little mosquito battle with the little mosquito ward and be happy with it. But sometimes you don't get to choose what's presented to you in life. You just have to work with that which is presented. Amen? But this is for those that have no choice. Those who are finding themselves already in a battle. It could be those that are watching on TV. It could be those that are watching on Facebook. It could be those that are in the house. Amen? Amen to encourage you that there is double for your trouble. God is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Amen? And I'll tell you, I thank God for you all being here because your presence is evidence to me that you are diligently seeking him. And even those watching on Facebook, you could be watching mtv jams or jerry springer but you're watching me preach so you're seeking him amen uh if you could get in the house get in the house but if you're out in canada you know then what you what you got to do amen (laughs) the lord turned the captivity of job when he prayed for his friends and also the lord gave twice as much as he had before amen Job had to go through a lot of pain and suffering. But if God allows the pain and suffering, he also has a reward that comes with that. Amen? And you could really see illustration after illustration. And and, and I'm going to be closing on this one here. In Genesis 41, uh, excuse me, 4140, it says, Thou shalt be over my house. It's talking about Joseph. Thou shalt be over my house, and according unto thy word shall all my people be ruled. Unto thy word shall all my people be ruled. Only in the throne will I be greater than thou. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, See... I have set thee over all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh took off his ring from his hand and put it upon Joseph's hand and arrayed him to the vestures of fine linen and put a gold chain upon about his neck and made him to ride in the second chariot which he had. And they cried before him, bowed the knee and made him ruler over all the land of Egypt. Now, Joseph didn't apply for that position. He survived to that position. He was thrown into a well. He was abandoned and exiled from his brothers. He was lied upon. He was sold as a slave. He worked as unto the Lord even as a slave. He was falsely accused of rape. He was thrown into the prison. And in all that, he still found favor in the sight of God. How many of you know you can find favor in the sight of God when you're in a Goliath battle? There is still favor to be obtained in the battle, not just after the battle but through the battle there is peace in the eye of the storm you can still have joy when you're facing goliath when you go through goliath you don't have to be miserable you don't have to have anxiety stress and fear and hopelessness you have a right to the tree of life you have a right to hope in christ you have a right to the kingdom of heaven you have a right to joy and peace that pass all understanding in every situation give thanks unto the lord praise the lord all you people of israel praise god thank god for everything that you're going through through the good the bad the ugly and that's what joseph did and then he was forgotten about in the prison they abandoned him and then his name was dropped to pharaoh and they brought him to the presence of the king and made him in second command. How many of you know that God wants you to be brought to the presence of the king? He wants you to be brought to the presence of King Jesus. God has a position and a place for every child of God. He has a purpose for your life. And it's not as a slave. It's not as someone that is bound. It is someone that is free. For the Bible tells us where the spirit of the Lord is. There is liberty. Folks, when I was cutting the grass yesterday, some of you know this story. When I was cutting the grass yesterday, without any intent, without any purpose, I saw a snake. And I I, I didn't see it until after it was already dead. The snake, I ran over with the zero turn. And I didn't see it. Honestly, if I would have saw the snake, I'm not like... uh you know, uh, fanatical, you know, I like animals, but I don't worship them, especially I don't worship snakes, but I wouldn't have tried to kill the snake. I wouldn't have tried to harm it. I wouldn't have tried to like, you know, I would have just left it be. Amen. But what happened is my zero turn ran over the snake and it decapitated the head and it ground up the head of the snake and it fertilized the yard. I didn't do it on purpose. I saw the snake after I went back to a certain turn and I looked at the snake and I'm like, oh man, who killed this snake? Man, look, I've never seen this before. Man, someone really headed out for this snake, poor snake. And then God revealed to me, it was you, you dummy. You killed the snake, you ran it over. And then I noticed that it was real interesting that the only thing that was removed from the snake was the head and it let me know that there are battles that we're going to go through, and you will defeat the hands of the enemy without trying, without knowing about it. You will destroy the works of the enemy. Why? Because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world, and God was telling me that it is prophetic, that God is going to have you beating up the devil without you knowing about it, defeating the works of the enemy without you trying it, and you will cut off the head of the snake without you even knowing about it, just serving God, just praising God, you will be decapitating the works of the enemy, which means that snake was no recovery. It couldn't come back. It was done. A few moments later...